Paul here with Bog Street. I'm super excited today to be joined with, with Tony Aguirre. And uh, Tony and I go back three, four years. Uh, yeah. We started working yep. together virtually. Tony was uh, helping me with some uh, prototype testing even before Bog Street uh, got off the ground. And uh, we met uh, at the time Tony was uh, in Orlando uh, working for Blue Man Group. And uh, definitely want to uh, dive in uh, to that story a little bit more uh, today. He's in Vegas, uh, working for Blue Man Group. So, uh, Tony, let's just start there. Let's talk about what uh, what what is Blue Man Group? Uh, what do you do? Uh, and then we'll go into more of the backstory uh, now and introduce yeah, yourself. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, Paul. I mean, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Tony Aguirre. I'm a professional uh, guitar player, a strings player, a multi instrumentalist, and I work primarily uh, primarily for Blue Man Group. Uh, so, like Paul said, I started uh, in Orlando years ago, maybe 10 years ago, uh, did that show for a while. And it's brought me to Vegas currently. So the question, what is Blue Man Group is huge. And that's like the number one question on any interview I've ever done. They're like, yeah, I know there's like three guys and there's some paint and stuff, but like, what the hell is it? Um, so like, there's a very long answer to that. I'll give you the short answer. So the short answer is Blue Man Group is a theatrical experience that you go to, and it's something between like a live theater show and a rock concert. It's very immersive, and everybody in the audience is part of the show. Sometimes you'll even get pulled up on stage to like participate. You don't know what's going on, but it's really fun. If you haven't seen it, um, I highly recommend check it out. They're in Chicago, Boston, New York, Las Vegas, Berlin. And there's a touring show, a North American touring show that probably comes pretty close to wherever you are. Uh, good for all ages. You can go with a date. You can take your grandparents. You can take your kids. It's awesome. Uh, so that's Blue Man Group. Um, and what do I do? Uh, I am a strings player. So guitar is my primary instrument, has been since I was like nine years old. And for the show... There's a couple of like super weird proprietary instruments uh, that are made just for the show that I'd never seen before, before I auditioned. Um, so we just call that role strings. So I am a strings player and on a given night, I'll play one of either two positions uh, and we can dive into that later if you want. Yeah. So yes, Great. strings player. So, uh, yep. so let's let's uh, rewind your story back to whenever you got started on guitar. What kind of got you interested? And just fast forward to uh, maybe pre pre Blue Man Group, uh, your 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 musical path. Yeah, yeah, the backstory. So that's like, you know, Paul. I don't know exactly where it started. Like, I just know that I always wanted to play guitar, and like maybe some of it might have been Wayne's World. I don't know, like, if you've ever seen that movie, like, they just, they idolize, like, this glowing white Fender Strat that's in a glass case, and it's, like, the holy freaking grail. Um, so that might have been part of it. Um, my first guitar I made when I was probably, like, seven, guitar, it was a piece of cardboard with, like, literal string on it that I would rock around the house with. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, for my ninth birthday, I got like a proper beginner's guitar and started learning. Um, and I just like, I never stopped. I loved the instrument. I, I played all the time. Um, 
and that was really the start. Like I loved rock music. That was my main influence. And at the same time, uh, I'm half Peruvian. My dad's Peruvian and he played Peruvian music, like traditional, the whole deal, pan flutes and like the funny shirts and all, you know, all the stuff. So like, as I was growing up, I had like those two parallel things where it was like mm -hmm. rock music. I was learning Green Day and Metallica. And then I would play in my dad's band, Inca Spirit. You know, and I started doing that uh, when I was 14, working with them uh, and actually like playing and being a professional musician. That was my after school gig. What area of the country did you grow up in? So that was Miami. Uh, I grew up in Miami pretty much from like <clears throat> age nine till I went off to college. And that's a that was a great place for music. It was really like at that time, especially when I was like in my mid teens, it was like late 90s early 2000s like the rock scene was really good there um there were a couple local all ages clubs so i could go and like watch music and play and like you know i had bands basically starting at like age 12 or 13. it wasn't good but it was a band <laughs> you know um and yeah so there was that outlet where you know as we got older and we got songs and it was a legitimate band there were places to play so super super fortunate because not every city has that. Um, yeah. So yeah, so like, I really had a lot of things line up for me. Uh, and, you know, some of that stuff's just luck. So what were you doing on up, uh, you know, before before Blue Man Group, you know, you only been doing that for 10 years or so. Did, right, did you gig? right. Did you, what, what did you do? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, you know, I was in in and out of different bands, I went to college, I didn't study music, uh, because I was told that music is not, you know, the arts is not a career. So I didn't, so I didn't study any music, but I, I probably should have. Um, so yeah, I did like cover bands and independent bands through college. Um, you know, little gigs here and there, like playing at places where drunk people would spill beers on your stuff and not really listen, whatever. It was fun. I was, you know, in my twenties, yeah. um, when I graduated from college, I decided like, instead of going back for a master's it was like a pivotal point. It's like, do you want to do A or B? And I just remember thinking like this, this is the time. Like if I'm going to do something, it's now. So I joined uh, a band in Miami, which broke up. And then like, just it was total serendipity. The uh, like one of my best friends from when I was growing up in Miami, I was in a band with him all through high school calls me right after this other band had broken up and he's like, Hey, my band based out of Orlando transmit now is about to go on tour. We need a guitar player. I was like, perfect. So I went out on this van tour. I was probably like early twenties. Um, and that was the next like three years of my life, like making zero money, living in a van, just doing like all the stuff that, you know, you imagine bands doing like, right. you know, hustling to sell cds to like pay for gas and doing like these crappy shows and some good shows um and that was like really kind of what launched me into like okay this is something that i think i can do long term so that band uh transmit now it was like a like a pop punk kind of like paramore or fallout style very like mid 2000s sound um, so we had a couple of like really lucky breaks. We had won some kind of MTV contest that got us this like music video. Anyways, it was on MTV too. And that was good enough for us. Um, 
but yeah, there was some momentum there and we ended up getting signed uh, to Silent Majority Records, which was a subsidiary of uh, Warner, which was incredible. You know, we were like, oh, we got signed and we had a lawyer look over it. And he's like, this is the worst, most one-sided contract I've ever seen in my life. And we were like, mm -hmm. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sign it. So we did. Um, and then we had like, I want to say two good years where we were put on a bill with some of their bigger acts. I think, I'm trying to remember who else they had. Um, they had Framing Hanley, which, you know, was kind of like a, a mid-tier band, but like the fans that liked them were like diehard. They had really, I mean, they had a good fan base. So we were on their shows, um, you know, opening up for them. I think uh, the label also had Tantric, I think, at the mm -hmm. time. We, we never did any shows with them, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, so we had like two good years of touring and like very typically like the band story, it was like this, and then it just all crashed. Like, you know, we just, once we were on the label, it was a lot harder to make money because our CDs costed us a lot more. So like mm -hmm. instead of 90 cents a record, it was six bucks because we had to buy it through the distribution. So like that was 08, 09. So like the gas prices were massive. Like our RV mm -hmm. kept breaking down, like the band started fighting, you know, so uh, that just you know disbanded it broke up eventually uh, the band broke up it's like 2011 maybe something like that the band broke up i'm in orlando i'm living there with nothing at this point like nothing to do i'm like oh god like what's what's going on and then my girlfriend at the time uh who's, who's now my wife she was like i remember she's on the computer and she's like super random she's like do you think uh if i played you a song you could play it back and i was thinking about that i was like i mean depend depending on what it was like probably if it was something super crazy no i'd have to learn it but she was like okay so there's an audition for blue man group uh for like guitar player for strings and i was like immediate my immediate answer was like no like i can't i can't do that it's not and i was completely opposed to it and she uh were you, me. were you opposed because you it wasn't interesting to you or because you didn't think you would you would have the what it took to it was total self-doubt yeah yeah i just didn't i didn't think that i had any of the skill set or the value that that a company like that would be looking for then you know and that continued all the way through so she like nagged the shit out of me for like two weeks and eventually i under that pressure i broke down i was like okay I'll write the I'll write the CV, the resume. I'll send it in, and I did. And they're like, okay. So then there's the open auditions, um, and I go to these auditions, and there's probably like thirty or forty of the local Orlando cats, and I know almost all of them. So I'm sitting like in in Universal Studios in like the the waiting room, the lobby, and I'm like, oh, there's this guy, and there's this guy, and there's that guy. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. I was like, I know all those guys. They're killer. I'm not going to get this. So I was like, but whatever. I'll just have fun. And I go into the audition. And it's like, I'd never auditioned for anything in my life. You know, like I'm a rock guitar player. I can't read music. I, you know, had toured in vans and stuff. Like, I, you know, the, I just thought it was way, way out of my league. So I'm in this room. And there's a bunch of like weird instruments and like two or three drum kits and like 
it's just super overwhelming. And there's eight dudes just sitting in like a horseshoe pattern, just looking at you. Like, obviously all, all pros, it's the band. And they're like, okay, so this is how it's going to work. We're going to play you a song and then you're going to play it back. And I was like, okay, okay. So they play a piece called uh, Drumbone, which is like one of the iconic ones. If you've ever seen like the classic Blue Man photos, it's the three guys and they're holding the large PVC instrument where all three of them are holding it, playing it. Uh, the Blue Men weren't there. It was just the, the instrumental stuff that the band plays behind it. Uh, and they start playing it. It's a drummer, bass player, guitar player. And I'm looking at the guitar player and it's like, it's dumb simple. It's like, it's three power chords. And it's, it's like, bum, bum, ba, da, 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 bum, bum, ba, da, 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 like, just like that. Like, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay. So I watch and I'm like, okay, I think I, you know, reasonably have the idea. So I put on the guitar and like, before we're starting, I, I remember I had like this moment of like, is this a trick? Like, do they want, do they, do they want me to like shred some solo over this or something? And like, thank, thankfully I decided against that. I was very close. Um, but they had said, just play it back to us exactly like we played it. And I was like, okay, okay. So then we start and I play and, you know, I, I fuck up a couple little things, but like, for the most part, you know, I, I played along with them and like, there was just no reaction from them. They were like, okay, great. Thank you. And then I walk out, I'm like, well, okay, that's that. So I was like, let me just go home and forget about it. Uh, and then a couple hours later, I get I get a call. And they're like, okay, we want you to come back for the callback audition tomorrow. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, all right. So then I go back the next day. Well, he maybe... The first time he's played some power chords? The first time? That's it. That's it. That I, I would come to learn later that it's it's a lot a lot deeper than that mm. like it it may just sound like power chords but like you know this reminds me of like this this one thing uh, like sidetrack i had when i was in college i was working at this shitty restaurant it was called american cafe it was basically a ruby tuesdays but it wasn't even good enough to be called that because it had the same menu and i was serving there and it was terrible and i remember waiting on this one dude who was like talking to this older gentleman he's like what do, what do you want to do it's like oh, i want to play guitar and he looks at me and he's like there's a lot of guitar players and i was like yeah but they don't all play it the same and he goes yeah that's true and like that's kind of what was happening in that audition is like it's deceptively simple but there's mm -hmm. so much stuff that you can tell from just literally 45 seconds of playing you can hear timing intensity you can see like the the body posture and your stage presence you can see how you're interacting with two other musicians um your sense of timing like it, there's so many little details and like i would learn later that like blue man is all about that like mm -hmm. it's all about these really fine particular details that you really really have to listen for and and pick up on um, That's cool. so yeah it's like Dece That's interesting, deceptively yeah. it, it is yeah. and i never yeah. i never ever would have like realized any of that stuff i just because you know i didn't think that way yeah so you um, call back i got called back so the call back so i get the call back and i go back the next day um and it's like maybe 
four, five, six people this time. So it gotten whittled down. And same thing. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to get this. And I, I don't know why I'm here, you know, still like totally overcome with like self-doubt as is like very typical with artists, you know, that like for most artists that I know that goes hand in hand. It's like, you're constantly fighting this self-doubt of what you can and can't do. So I go up in the audition. It's the same thing. It's the same dudes in the room, all the instruments. And they're like, okay, so we're going to do the same thing we did yesterday. We're going to play you something. You're going to play it back, except now it's going to be on the electric zither. And I never had seen this thing. And basically it looks like the inside of a piano. So a zither is like a traditional German folk instrument that has, um, multiple rows of open tunings like there's no there's no frets or anything it's just strings on the slab of wood so it's basically like you've got open e open b c sharp minor like you know six rows of chords that you play with a slide on one hand finger picks on the other and then there's a harp section with these triplicate uh strings all in like a diatonic tuning um and it's so it's close to a hundred strings on this thing. And then they play this, they play me the same song. They play me the same dung, 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 but on this thing. And like if if you can play guitar, like the skill set kind of translates. Like it might be a little clunky, you know, because you haven't played it, but like I got it. Like I could see what you were supposed to do. So we went through a series of those things where they would show me something. <clears throat> I would play it back the best I could. They had another section where I was literally hitting the strings uh, with a slide like this, bump, 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 like in a pattern with delay. They had me do some finger picking and then they stuck the uh, a Chapman stick on me. If you've never seen a Chapman stick, it's like a long, basically looks like just a guitar fretboard, no body. Uh, it was invented uh, by this guy with the last name uh, Chapman, I think Emmett Chapman, maybe in the 60s or 70s, you play it all by tapping. But this one, you play just one string and you bow it like with a maybe like a this big of a section of a bass string. So you bow it. Very weird. Um, so I went through all that stuff, like was just sweating the whole time. You never played the nervous. Never. I'd never seen it. I had never seen any of these things. Yeah, I had no idea. But surely they knew that, too. They know that. They know yeah, yeah. yeah no, nobody's expecting you to come in there and just like shred this thing you know <laughs> what 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 they're looking for is somebody who like is enthusiastic has raw talent can follow directions that's huge you know because as i'm playing they're like no try this like don't you know don't push so hard on this part like you know do this watch your attack on this and like that's what they're looking for they're like does this person have the skills uh can we train them and like are they cool am i going to want to work with this person because that that's 50 percent of it you know mm -hmm. it really is like what you know what does it matter if somebody's the best player in the world if you can't spend 10 minutes with them in a room yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so we go through those things and, and later that day I get a call and they offer me the position. And I was like, I think the, I think the first thing I said to uh, the manager when she called me was shut up. I was like, really? So <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, that's the audition story. And 
And wow. I think they've done it that way forever and they still do it that way. So, um, so take, take me through a little bit because we actually met in person finally uh, in Orlando uh, yeah. pre-COVID um, and uh, got to hang out a bit. Uh, I know there was this kind of like this ebb and flow with um, Blue Man as like a full-time uh, being able to, yes. to work on that as a full-time commitment. And I think mm-hmm. almost every musician uh, that I've ever known at least deals with that, you know, where it's like, they like to say that they're a full-time musician, but mm-hmm. the reality is you've got to do what you got to do to make ends meet. Right. So yeah. maybe you talk a little bit, like, I, I definitely want to hear about, uh, you know, maybe like how you, sur- how you sur- survive, like kind of like the, the real story, you know, it's like, Oh, I got the yeah. gig. And I've been with blue man ever since that's not reality. Yes. Right. Uh, so it's yeah. been some tough yeah. times to take us through COVID and then even how you got, how you got the latest position. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. And I think like, dude, that's a huge point because I think especially now, like in the era of like Instagram and YouTube and like social media, like if I was a young musician, I think I would feel very excited about all that stuff but also really overwhelmed because you're seeing all these people that are only presenting the best. You know what I mean? The best versions, the best takes. Like, so when you watch a video of any of your favorite influencers, like, you know, that's not take number one. It's not. And it, and it's, and it's okay. But like, I think it's, it's important to remember like that things that we're seeing on surface value are the best versions that somebody's capable of and it's important to like remember you know as a musician or artist yourself like it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to not be the best and it's okay to not win all the time because you're not going to so yeah to follow up on that like my whole musical career has been like this you know that's that's the reality of it the whole thing so when i got hired in orlando i wish i could say you know, and I lived happily ever after. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the interview. Man. That was great. But, but it wasn't that, um, you know, I got hired in Orlando as a part-time player. So like, that was great. I was, I was working a lot. I was playing a couple shows every week. I was learning, I was being immersed in that world. But at the same time I was doing other work. Like I was teaching, I was doing substitute teaching. I was teaching SAT prep. So I was leading like you know, this, this dual life, like you said, doing what you have to do to pay bills and to get through it. And then after about a year, Blue Man offered me uh, a tour, a touring position, which was full time, the North American tour. No, I started on the cruise ship. Blue Man had a, a show on a cruise ship for a couple of years, which was <laughs> an incredible experience. Super weird. L- lived on a boat for four months, but basically... Once they offered me the touring spot, those were full time. And I took a series of tours from probably for five or six years. I lived. Were you married yet at the time? No, not yet. Not yet. That that's really it's really difficult. It it is not easy. Um, but I was with the same person who I eventually uh, was married to. And yeah, it was really difficult for both of us. So I lived on the road. I did the North American tour for like four years. And then I had the the world tour for, I think, like a year and a half. And that was like, 
So that's like 2017. So I worked with Blue Man the whole time. And it's like touring is amazing. Like the money is great. I got to see the world. I got to play every day. But but when you tour, you can't put down any kind of roots. You live out of a hotel room, right? So you don't have like, this is my studio. Like, here's my dog. Here's my partner. Like you don't, <laughs> you, you, you forego those things. Uh -huh. um, which at that time of my life was okay because I was in like my mid to late 20s. So I finished the world tour and I'm like, I need to come back. I can't live on the road anymore. So I came back, went, you know, made a decision. Okay, I'm going to go back to my part-time position at Blue Man. Uh, and I started up uh, real estate. Super, super random, but I had actually gotten my license a couple years back just because I was interested in it. And I dove into real estate full-time for... Uh, you know, a number of years and all through the mm -hmm. pandemic. And, you know, that was really good for me. Like, it was like a solid job to have, especially at that time. And you guys know, you know, the housing market. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a good place to be. And again, part of that was just luck. It was timing. Um, you know, the downsides of that, it's tough work. Nobody claps when you finish a job, <laughs> you know, like they don't. Um, right. And, and it's, you know, it's difficult. It's a grind and it's really like, you know, personally, I carried a lot of stress through that job, like a lot, really hard on me. Um, so coming to now, like, uh, or sorry, the, the beginning of the pandemic, unfortunately, like everything, Blue Man Orlando shuts down and that ends up being permanent, which is really, really, really sad. So all the musicians there, that show is just gone not coming back um and it, it was man it was so sad because like i i love the show i love playing the show it's incredible it's different every night we can come back to that point in a little bit but um the best part is the community like blue man's really good about hiring just like-minded cool fun people that like mm -hmm. i liked going to work just to like shoot the shit with these people they were yeah, great yeah. everybody in all the positions like <laughs> management whatever like all great so that was like a huge blow for everybody in that community and i was like well i'm never gonna play the show again that mm. that sucks i was like at least you know i have a job that's great maybe i'll start a cover band or something or i'll start doing something else um but it, it was really sad and over the pandemic, I was doing real estate. And then I was also like started working on some independent music stuff, which is where I met you. I was freelancing, doing like whatever I could related to music that was fun. Uh, and I started then, which I'm still doing now, composing music uh, for video games, which is great. And it was just like my own little business. And, you know, I never had any kind of dreams of like making it like, a huge thing. I was like, this is just something I like to do. That's a really good um, outlet for this creative energy. And it's fun because it's video games. So it's not like, like the rules are not the same as cinema or film. Like it's totally like wide open. You can pretty much do whatever, you know, just because of the nature of the media. So I developed that over the pandemic and then, you know, cut to a couple months ago, uh, Blue Man Vegas is like, hey, we're short staffed. Do you want to come out here and do um, do some shows over Christmas break just to help out? And I was like, oh, amazing. Yeah, I'll go out there and meet the cast and, and do the shows. And I did. 
and everybody was going down with COVID. And like at the very end of it, like they had extended my stay by two weeks. And I was like, guys, I, I, have, I have a full-time job. I got to go. Like I can't mm -hmm. stay here forever. And so before I left, they were like, okay, we're, we want to offer you a full-time spot. And it was like amazing news. I went back, I thought about it really hard. Um, and there were just a lot of factors that made that, I think, the right choice at this time. So I accepted it. And now I live in Las Vegas. Yeah. It's really hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least you, you sort of, uh, it may not be the humidity, but uh, you had some, some, some training in Orlando. Uh, it gets hot there. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's Minnesota yeah. or something. Hot is hot. <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so now I'm right. And so you haven't been there that long, right? How long have you been? No, no, I just moved here in March. So okay. a couple months, yeah. but yeah, it's just, it's really uh, an amazing opportunity. I'm super grateful. So I play the show full time and, you know, mm -hmm. with the off hours, I work on developing and writing and composing more. That's cool. Well, congratulations mm -hmm. on your on your on your uh, job in Vegas. And thank you. Uh, you know, that's that's awesome. So I guess uh, I'm curious if there's any any like anybody that's curious about the show, you know, the show itself, the things that make it unique. You talked a lot about the the attention to detail and, uh, you know, the the sort of uh, camaraderie and, you know, pers mm -hmm. pers pers personalities and like what makes the Blue Man Group so special you know, maybe talk about that a little bit and then ask yeah. me questions that you get asked a lot. Like, are there just three main guys? Or is there, you know, you yeah, because I make up every night, I'm guessing. Yes, yes. So, I mean, what makes the show special? There's, there's nothing else like it. There is no other show like that that you will ever see. And if you go see the show, I guarantee it's probably going to be the best 90 minutes you've ever spent in a theater even if you don't like theater, especially if you don't like theater. So like the show is about three blue beings that show up and we don't, we don't know where they're from. It doesn't matter. They're not from here. Right. So they show up and they're exposed to the audience who is the fourth, you know, character in the show aside from the band. And throughout the course of the show, they learn about our world and they don't speak. They communicate with body language, uh, music, and humor. And like it's it's stuff that like everybody gets. You know, if you're five years old, you'll you'll get what's going on. If you live in Saudi Arabia, which we've done the show there, you'll get what's going on. If you live in Canada, like it's just it's universal human stuff. So it's about looking at our world through a different set of eyes. And that's where all of the humor comes in because you'll see them do stuff with everyday objects like, oh, that's super weird, but okay, I get it. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. just an amazing show. And then, you know, the music, the instrumentation is crazy. Like it's so creative. There's paint everywhere. There's lights all over the place. Like there's exploding stuff into the audience. They go into the audience. They may grab your partner and bring her up on stage. Like, you know, anything can happen. And then yeah. the band, you know, we, we don't wear blue. We have like these kind of black light costumes and we'll show up here and there throughout the show supporting the action that's happening on stage. So it's kind of like um, we're scoring in real time, the action and the movement. So like, seriously, like if the blue man throws something, there might be a sound on the zither, Woo! 
you know, like <laughs> seriously, something like that. Yeah, it yeah. can be, yeah. it can be different every night. Uh, it is, you know, and the way mm -hmm. that I'll, I'll explain that is like the journey that the characters take, the blue men is the same. They go A, B, C, D, you know, through the show, but the spaces between those milestones can change drastically. You know, so like if a blue man decides to do something different, he may be going A, B, C, and then he skips E, goes straight to F because he sees somebody holding up a fake leg, twirling it, which I've seen, and then they grab that and do something with it. So then the band has to respond. So like you'll have to, everybody, all four of you, improvise and create 16 bars of music there that fits with the show and then come back to, you know, point F. So, so it that, all looks like the yeah. entire thing was scripted, like, you know, basically, even yeah. though even though it's a mix of uh, yeah. what, you, what you expected to happen and what you had to improvise and, and come up with on the fly scoring. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, random stuff happens in the show. And because of the nature of the character, like audience members are much more likely to participate with silly things just because the, the character is like, dehumanized depersonalized you know mm -hmm. so it's not like you're looking at me as a person you're looking at like this blank canvas character and it it helps to make the audience more open and receptive mm -hmm. to doing things with them which is cool well it sounds like a lot of fun definitely i uh, encourage uh, everybody to to check it out mm -hmm. uh show if they can and if you're in the vegas area definitely uh check you guys out um, Please, yeah. last last couple questions i have is number one um would you have any advice for anybody that's an aspiring musician that would, you know, wants to be on the Vegas strip or, uh, you know, wants to aspire to, you know, I know a lot of your story isn't like I'm here because I did this. A lot of it's luck and a lot of it's being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it is. You, you do also make your own luck to some degree. You know, you have mm -hmm. uh, you have life experience, but you also happen to be a pretty, a pretty good, <laughs> solid guitarist. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, so maybe, you know, you talked about self-doubt earlier. You talked about being the kind of person people want to, you know, play with. You know, what would yeah. your advice to the aspiring musicians out there that are, you know, looking yeah. to take that track? That's, a, that's such a good question. And especially for, like, you know, the younger, the generation that's coming up, I think that's more important than ever. Like, because there is, there is so much self-doubt, like inherently as an artist. And then, like I said, when you're seeing all of these flashy, perfect personas, I imagine it might make it even harder, you know, and create more of that because you're like, wow, these people are so good. I'm ne I'm never going to be able to do that. I can't do that. So the first thing I think I would say is like, if you really want something, like if you really want to be an artist or a writer or an entertainer or something, if you, you want whatever it is, you've got to commit and go for it. And like you said, some of it is luck and timing. Like, you know, the opportunity has to present for you to be able to take advantage of it. And for you to be able to take advantage of it, you do have to be prepared. So that's the other half of it is like, mm -hmm you need to hone your skill in whatever it is. You know, if you're an artist, you need to sketch and paint and just make more art, make art, make art, make art. And if you're a player, you need to learn songs. You need to do this and that and play with a band and play with a metronome and understand 
these things that are going to elevate you, you know, from, from the rest of, of the masses, because there, there is a difference, you know, there's, there's a definite difference for somebody that pours their whole intention into something. Um, and I do think that to a certain degree, like that can, uh, outweigh some talent. Like some of the people that I've seen become successful musicians, maybe weren't the most naturally raw talent. Like they, maybe they weren't the most gifted, but there is like, there's a, like a tipping point where if you've got the drive, you mm -hmm. can push through that stuff. And I've seen people do it and, yeah. and it's great, you know? So I think those are the two things is like, you're going to be hit with self-doubt all the time. And I will again too, you know, like something's going to happen, you know, maybe I'll move somewhere else. Life changes. Like it, you know, the life is going to go up and down again. So you've got to push through that. And then again, just really work on the skill and dedicate yourself. Cool. That's great. Last question is if somebody wants to find out more about you or do you have some, some music, uh, you know, out there on Spotify or, uh, you know, how do they follow you, you know, on Instagram or wherever, how do we find out more? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thank you for, I'm terrible at social media. I need to post more stuff. I don't, uh, you can find me on YouTube under my full name, Antonio Aguirre. I don't have many videos up there, but there is an interesting one of uh, me doing a, uh, a demonstration of the Chapman stick from a couple years ago on tour is one of our like press packages. So if you're interested, you check that, check out that video. I uh, see the Chapman stick, see a couple of different techniques. Um, and if you're interested in any um, commissioned uh, work for your game or your film or anything like that, I've even done one for a, a novel, just a theme song for somebody's uh, fantasy novel, which is super cool. Uh, you can check out my website. So it's mythic audio and it's a dot before the IO. So mythic AUD dot IO. And you can reach me there, talk about what your project is and we'll get you all set up. Great. I'll we'll make sure I put uh, all those links in the, in the description. So Thank Tony, you. it was so good catching up, man. Thank you so much for your time, man. Take care. Thanks, Paul.